Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, and welcome back to our summer series, which we have titled A Long Walk with Jesus. This morning, we're going to be studying a passage from Mark chapter 7, and so if you want to grab your Bibles uh, and turn to that passage, you can do that while I introduce uh, our guests this morning. So today I have Matt and Alicia Weeb with me this morning, and um, they are missionaries to Cambodia and part of our Ebenezer family, and so we're really glad to have you here with us today. And I know that the passage uh, that we're doing this morning is one that you chose to talk about, and so I know it has some special meaning for you, and so I'm looking forward to hearing um, some of your insights into this passage. But before we go into our passage, I just want to give you a chance to just kind of give us a little bit of an update on uh, where you are and, and what you've been doing in the last few years. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Grace. It's good to be here. Um, we've been in Cambodia now for six years. Uh, the last two years, we've been in a Muslim village in the south of the country. So we came back for a home assignment mid-May, and we were planning to, to head back to Cambodia um, in September. But with the COVID pandemic, we're not 100% sure how long we'll be here for. But yeah, you want to share a little bit about what we do there? Sure. Yeah, so we are living in a small village, Muslim village, like Matthew said. Um, we have an open door policy, so people can come at any time of the day, morning and evening. Um, we, as our way of being there, we teach English to kids. And as we've gotten to know the kids and the village a little bit better, after that we started uh, doing some soccer programs for them. Um, yeah, and we do lots of house visits too. But our main hope, our main vision of being there is to share Christ um, because it is an unreached area, a place where they haven't heard the gospel preached yet. So that's the reason why they're, we're, yeah, we're there and we've really loved it the last couple of years. Yeah. So do you work completely on your own or are you part of a team? Um, how does that work? Yeah, so we're, we're kind of on our own. We, we went there with another couple from a different organization um, but they had to leave early. So we've been in this village, just the two of us, for the last two years, for the most part, and uh, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, our closest teammates are about maybe four-hour drive away. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So when you get together, that's a really important time for you, I imagine, to just refresh and, and renew with each other. Yeah, it's always yeah. a nice thing to get together. It doesn't good. happen very often, but yeah. it's always good. Well, we're fortunate, like a lot of the Sunday mornings have been recorded on Zoom, but because you are literally living uh, a block away from the church right now, um, we've um, been able to get you here in person, so I'm really happy about that and, yeah, and spending the next few minutes together. All right, well, um, we're, as I said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 7 and verse 1 to 13, and so I'm going to start off our discussion with just reading that passage, and so follow along with me if you have your Bibles open to that. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders, 
When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let them be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever is profit uh, you might have whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is, uh, a gift to God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Well, there's a lot in that passage, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that we won't have time to do justice to all of it this morning, but we're going to try to do... Uh, to you know, get to the heart of what Jesus meant in this passage. So um, some of the key players in our text are the Pharisees and scribes. And so uh, I thought maybe just before we get into the passage itself, if you could just remind us who these Pharisees were and what were kind of the religious role that they played mm. in that day. Yeah, so scribes and sages were, were members of the Jewish religious authority. Uh, and they were responsible for interpreting and teaching the law as well as some of the traditions that had cropped up over the years. Um, The Pharisees in particular were very serious about purity, so they were part of a separatist party, actually, um, separating from non-Jews and from irreligious Jews as well. So they were generally quite popular, actually, and uh, known as some of the most accurate expositors of the law. Okay. So um, we read here that there is a a, uh, delegation, I guess, Mm. that come from Jerusalem, and um, this isn't the first time that this has happened. In Mark chapter 3, we read how another delegation came from Jerusalem to kind of check out Jesus and mm. his men his, the, the, uh, there. And so, um, so just um, why had the Pharisees come to kind of check him out? What was it that, you know, that was so disturbing there about uh, or why they needed to check Jesus out? Yeah, I think I think it makes sense actually. Like they they were a new teacher on the scene, and he was quite popular as well, traveling all around Israel. So they wanted to know what he's all about. What does he believe? What is he teaching? Is it in line with what we're doing and uh, what our practices are or not? How right. what's our approach to this guy supposed to be? Because there's a lot of followers. Yeah. So what was the deal with washing hands? Like, you know. <laughs> Initially, you know, on the surface, it looks like what what's the problem here? There, you know, were the disciples yeah, just yeah. these really filthy guys that didn't know how to right. wash their hands, or what was? Yeah. Why did they pick that out as something to to um, accuse Jesus and his man of? Yeah, I mean, especially today, we see the importance of washing hands, right? Yeah. When we come back from the market in Cambodia, that's the first thing we want to do is wash our hands. So. 
Um, yeah, if it's about hygiene, then it uh, seems like the Pharisees are in the right. But um, one of the things that's helpful here is looking at that word for washing. Um, so it says they don't wash properly. Uh, if you look up elsewhere in the New Testament where that word is used, um, even by Jesus, he uses it when he tells the blind man uh, at Siloam to go wash in the pool. And when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, it's the same word. Uh, and when Paul teaches that poor widows who wash the feet of the saints are deserving of help from the church, it all uses the same word. And so it seems clear that there's, there's some uh, symbolic connotations here. It's not just hygiene. Um, the word that's used when it says they come back from the walk marketplace and wash is actually a different word yet. But that's the word for dip or immerse. So actually the same word that we use for baptism. Um, so yeah, they're, they're different words, but both of them are clearly uh, symbolic and ceremonial. It's not about hygiene. Um, so yeah, the Pharisees are upset, I think, that uh, Jesus isn't falling in line with established religious practice of the day. Okay. Yeah, um, I think it wasn't part of the law of Moses that God had given to them, but mm. it was part of uh, a whole series of traditions that he evolved over the years, right? Is That's that right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think these kind and of ceremonial so washings were mainly It was a custom the of the Jews that that um, to ceremonially clean themselves um, from defilement and actually uh, in connection, especially with the Gentiles, right? So there was some connection with that. You said they were separatists, uh, you know, of, and particularly the Gentiles. And so they cleansed themselves from any defilement they perceived they had picked up from contact with people that were not like them, with the Gentiles and so on. So... Um, people that they considered religiously and socially unclean. So that kind of takes it to another level as well. Um, So clearly in this passage, there is a conflict between the traditions of the Pharisees and the heart of Jesus. Um, So were the disciples, um, I think we, we talked about disciples weren't just unclean men, it was that their um, they were expecting a lot more from the disciples than just being clean, uh, mm. hygiene-wise. Yeah. They were wanting them to follow the traditions. So why was Jesus so hard on them? He, as he answers them, he actually calls them hypocrites. Why was mm. he so hard on them for wanting, you know, for accusing the disciples of not following the traditions of the elders? Yeah, I think, I think Jesus was kind of intense about this because it really hit on, on his primary message um, for the world. Um, these guys were concerned most with their egos and their own sense of righteousness and, and maybe even a bit of job security. Um, so they're missing out on God's true desires for mankind, uh, wanting our hearts and not as concerned about the externals. Um, and then in their position, they're also teaching others to miss out on, on God's desire for mankind. So it's you know, a lot of gravity to it. Yeah. So rather than looking at the heart of Jesus um, and teaching that, they were more concerned about teaching the rituals and the ceremonies Mm -hmm. that had evolved over the years Mm -hmm. that was um, there. So I think, too, uh, Jesus knowing uh, their attitude in asking this question, right, Mm -hmm. um, probably also made him uh, reply in, in a harsher way than, you bet. like in a way that we think, well, that's kind of, you know, harsh perhaps. Yeah. But uh, of course he could read their, 
their hearts. And so instead of even answering that question, Mm. he turns the tables on them and focuses attention on how they um, are in violation of Moses's laws um, by their human traditions. And so that kind of gets us into the heart of this passage. Mm. So um, the first thing that Jesus confronts the Pharisees with is in verse uh, 6, and he says, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What does Jesus mean by that? Uh, Alicia, do you want to comment yeah, on that? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's saying that they're doing all these religious things, you know, their acts and their speech and then their deeds, um, but they're not doing these things because they actually care about or they actually love God. Um, they obviously by like their their life like the pharisees they didn't know what god wanted or what he loved and uh yeah they it it showed that they preferred their do, it showed that they preferred doing their own traditions mm. um above you know love and love for god and love for people mm. yeah yeah i read somewhere it said um the pharisees were all lips and no heart mm. and yeah. uh You know, I think as we continue in our discussion, especially later as we talk kind of the application of this, we're going to find that this is a passage that is hugely convicting, not Mm -hmm. just for the Pharisees of that day, but Mm -hmm. for us as well as we examine um, ourselves in how we worship God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. That's another uh, translation Mm -hmm. of this verse. Um, They worship, they worship me, um, no, what did it say? Um, They worship. you honor me with your lips. It was a lip service. They mm-hmm. said, we worship God, but their hearts, they totally missed the heart of God uh, in um, their practices. Yeah. Um, then the second in verse um, 7 and 8, or verse 7, let's say, the second issue that Jesus confronts the Pharisees with is this. He says, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So I think another way of saying that is that they were teaching their own uh, practices, the things that they had added to the law of Moses as being doctrinal, mm. not rather than um, acknowledging that those were personal preferences or opinions or practices. Mm. Uh, so how are they doing that? How does Jesus say that they are, they are teaching um, doctrine as or teaching practice as doctrine. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you say at, at, the, at the end of this, he says, you, you guys have many ways of doing this. So they do this all the time, this, this teaching tradition as doctrine. In this case, it's the ceremonial washing, which they would say needs to be performed before every meal and when you get back from the marketplace. Um, but I just want to say that I, I don't think the problem here is with tradition per se. Um, Using the same word as we have in, here in Mark uh, for tradition, Paul actually commends the Corinthians uh, for maintaining the traditions that he passed down to them. Um, and he commands the Thessalonians to hold on to the traditions that he gave them and even tells them to stay away from any brother who doesn't follow the traditions mm-hmm. that I passed on. And so um, we see Paul developed some, some church traditions with God's commands as the foundation. And the motivation was fellowship with mm-hmm. God. Um, so the problem, I think, is with teaching, with teaching tradition as doctrine lies in how the traditions are developed, 
uh, how they're practiced, uh, what are the motivations behind it. And in this case, we see the Pharisees' traditions um, were created by people who are primarily concerned with themselves and their ways and making sure that they could present themselves clean to God. Um, so there's, there's a bad foundation there. Um, and actually, we've seen this, this uh, idea of teaching uh, tradition as doctrine um, many times, actually, in, in the mission field. Um, we've seen missionaries um, teaching about church buildings or, or it needs to be a meeting on Sunday, uh, worship bands, using bread and juice in communion, these kinds of things that are traditions, widely accepted tra- uh, traditions around the world. But teaching them as doctrines that every culture needs to assimilate to, um, no matter what your usual practice is or what your f- uh, financial level mm-hmm. might be. And the result is often that the indigenous population sees it as an invasion of, of a foreign god mm-hmm. um, rather than their own creator that's actually come to redeem the Cambodians that he purchased with his right. blood. Um, but I think taking it one level further, even if we missionaries actually teach the doctrines of God and not the traditions of men, um, we honor God with our lips, which is good. Um, but if we don't love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, and, and if we're not loving the person in front of us as our neighbor, um, then we're actually missing it again. Uh, and we end up passing on the same kind of empty religion as the Pharisees were. Um, one of the things Jesus accuses the Pharisees of is traveling overseas and making disciples that are twice the sons of hell as they are. So very, very strong uh, yeah. language there. Um, and there's a good chance the disciples we make will look like we do. Um, so we've seen that anybody can pass on the gospel, but a person can't give what they don't have. Um, you can't truly make uh, a near-hearted disciple of Christ unless you're near-hearted with Christ. Yeah. I think a lot of Paul's teachings as well in his letters to the church, there it addressed some of that those issues, right, where mm. um, the Jewish believers were trying to, uh, enforce their traditions, their ways mm. on the Gentile believers, and if they didn't follow yeah. those, they weren't true believers. And so, you know, as you said before, tradition is not a bad thing mm. in and it of itself. In fact, I love some of the traditions mm. that I've established, uh, you know, with my family mm. and yeah, in our bet. home, and, and they help us to create memories. But anytime we hold to tradition over God's word, as he said, you know, or mm. teach it as a doctrine, um, that's kind of the foundation of where legalism comes from, right? It's, it's that, that um, uh, promoting it as doctrine from God is what supports legalism. I'll never forget when I was a young girl, and, and of course I was just starting to get into makeup and wanting to have earrings and things like that. Well, in my father's tradition, in his church, all of that was considered sin. It was mm. taught as a doctrine that mm. that was sin. And, um, and so that was what he pa- was passing on to me. And I remember so clearly uh, he went away to a conference and that way of thinking was really challenged. And so he came home and I remember him talking to me and, and saying, you know, confessing that what he had taught as a doctrine was not doctrine. It was a personal preference and opinion that he still held to, but that he realized he had been teaching it as a doctrine to me, mm. and not just as a preference. And so, you know, in, in honoring my parents, that 
that still was an issue that I had to decide whether I was going to honor their preference or tradition. But there was a tremendous freedom, though, that came to me when I realized it actually was not a condition of God's love for me or mm. God's acceptance of me, but, um, but it, you know, a rather something that he preferred. Mm-hmm. And so I think that often, even in the church or in our personal lives, we, something has been held to for so long, we don't even realize mm-hmm. that we, we put that on the same, uh, give it the same weight uh, in our minds as the doc- doctrine of, of Scripture, mm-hmm. when in, tr- in fact it's tradition that's been passed down, and sometimes we don't even, can't even tell the difference. Sure. So. Well, let's go on to then verses 10, or no, um, the last, uh, yeah, verse 9. The last accusation that that Jesus uh, um, gives to the Pharisees is, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his mother or father, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions which you have handed down. Um, so the, the third issue, he said, is not only were the Pharisees being hypocritical in their worship of God, teaching their man-made laws as doctrines, they were also holding up their traditions and laws above God's law of love and thereby mm. actually nullifying the law of God. Mm. So first of all, this practice of Corban. Um, I don't understand it completely, but uh, the bit of study that I, I did do, it was, um, I understand it, that some of the Jews, uh, a, it was a wide practice, how it, had concocted this uh, scheme that, to avoid parental responsibility. Mm. And so they would designate certain um, amount of their financial resources as Corban. And so it sounded very religious right. and pious um, that, oh, no, I can't help you, mom and dad, mm. because this money that I have is designated to, you know, to God. It's mm. a gift to God. Whether it was actually used that way or not, there's some sure. debate on that. Um, but according to the prevailing tradition, they could designate the financial resources as Corbin and in that way avoid taking care of their parents. Right. And um, so how did that nullify God's, God's law? Hmm. How, how did Corbin, that practice of Corbin, nullify God's laws? Yeah, you can see here that, that God's law of love, as, as you put it, is, is an, it's an intimate thing, and it's intensely practical. So I, I think to obey him here, <clears throat> people's own time and own money needed to be personally spent and sacrificed in order to properly honor their fathers and mothers. Uh, this Corbin uh, law is kind of choosing a showy and kind of over-spiritualized uh, religious practice uh, instead of giving it to to God or giving it to God through your parents by honoring your parents practically um, and actually much more difficult to do it God's way isn't it to, to really hunker down with your parents and honor them with your time and money than it is to just be like oh, I'll give it to God directly that's yeah it just doesn't seem how God's law works right and like today I know you know our law, our government has 
you know, funds in place to help people mm -hmm. who are retired and so on. And, and many of our, our elders actually save for their retirement and so on. Mm -hmm. But there's, it is that greater law, you know, so we can sometimes think, well, my parents are taken care of financially, mm. but it still doesn't address the law of love that says right. honor them, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's not just with your finances, but also with your, your time and your attitude and things yeah. like that, right? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's, a, yeah, that's a good one. A tricky one as well. It is. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesus hated the practice of the Pharisees uh, that nullified his command that children should honor their parents. Mm. You know, as you look at, you know, you have the law of Moses that God gave them, right? And we, and we know that Jesus came to free us from the condemnation of the law, but he said, I also came to fulfill it. It mm. didn't mean that that no longer uh, exists. Mm. And yet, um, I think in our day here, sometimes we think, well, the whole law of God, like, we're not condemned by it, so we don't necessarily have to keep it, you know. And yet sure. there's some really important things in God's law about keeping the Sabbath and about honoring our parents and mm. not, you know, um, um, envying uh, the things that others have and things sure. like that that we kind of forget are all part of that law that right. Jesus came to actually uphold mm. but fulfill in a way that wasn't just like, you must do this, check the list, mm. but where Jesus addressed the heart of the law that, that uh, God gave to Moses. Yeah. 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 So these, these were three accusations that Jesus had against the Pharisees. And um, so I want to get into kind of what do those kinds of um, those things mean for us today? Is there anything that we can draw from those accusations for us today. I, I don't think that hypocrisy ended with the Pharisees. Mm. I think if we examine, I know for myself, if I examine my heart, it doesn't take me very long to find hypocrisy that lives within my own heart mm. as well. So let's take a look at some of the way, things that, that uh, we can identify with in these three accusations. So the first mm. one was, um, what are some ways we may honor God with our lips and not our hearts? Both as individuals or even in the church today? Mm. Yeah, so let's just say, you know, I go to church, I'm giving my tithe, I'm singing in worship, uh, I'm praying before my meals, um, but I'm not, say, spending time in the Word or in prayer throughout the week. So I can do all those things that I mentioned at the beginning without my heart. You know, I can do those religiously. They can become, you know, just a, something that I do, something we have to do because it's the right thing to do. But if my heart is not in it to know God, um, to love him, then that's hypocrisy. That's, yeah, that's not what God wants. Um, and in fact, we can actually read God's word. <laughs> right. And yeah, not have yeah. our hearts engaged, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. We can even perform that as a spiritual discipline in yeah. our lives or to even pray, mm -hmm. but our hearts can be far from him, right? right. We're, yeah. we're doing even that yeah. Yeah. as um, a practice yeah. because we know that's what Christians do. Right. And even these Pharisees made lengthy prayers, right? And they memorized tons of scripture. So, but yeah, so it's not as important what you're doing, but are you giving your heart to God? Is, are you doing it to glorify him? Right. Yeah. 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 
Was there more that you were going to add there, Alicia? I think I might have cut you off. No, it's all right. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, even with like reading through scripture, like we can come at it with a certain idea of who God is by what people have told us, you know, Mm -hmm. like even different doctrines. um, You know, the reasons why churches split is because they they have they all have different ideas and they think they're right, and and uh, so they split because of those. But you know, some of these doctrines, if we if we come in to the Bible with this idea, God is like this because my doctrine said that it's He's like this. If we come in and we look with those lenses, we're we're gonna miss out on who God is if that's what we're doing. Um, instead of being like, God is in the Scripture, and I'm, if I if I want to know really who He is and what He wants of me, I'm gonna gonna come in here with with fresh eyes, and I'm gonna come here to to find out who he really is. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that I struggled with too, actually, in, in reading scripture for the longest time. I would, mm-hmm. I would go in and be like, oh, you know, I've heard all these, like, you know, God's a, he's a harsh God, you know, he killed all those people. So then I'm, you know, I'm reading scripture and being like, God's a harsh God. And, and my lenses, as mm-hmm. I read about even his goodness, it's like, well, he's good, but really he's just harsh, you know? And so I wasn't going into it to be like, God, I really want to know who you are. And, Mm. you know, wow, this is amazing, you know? And once I decided to turn off that lens and, um, yeah, just to be like, all right, I'm looking for you afresh, then it was, yeah, it was really amazing. He really showed himself to me. Mm. Uh, Uh, It's interesting how I heard somebody say recently, if your understanding of Scripture hasn't changed over the last 20 Mm. years, are you really growing? You know, the truth of God's word doesn't change, right? But how we understand it is always changing as the Holy Spirit reveals more truth to us, right? Mm -hmm. And if we hold on to how we understood something 20 years ago and keep holding on to that and we're not open to the Holy Spirit Mm. giving us a fresh understanding, um, then, you know, it almost becomes a tradition, mm-hmm. your understanding mm-hmm. even yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, God is incredibly big. So when, when we go to him to see him and, and, and understand more about him, there will always be new things. Uh, some things that kind of correct what we believed before or things that are just totally brand new. Yeah. And so if we come to scripture with that, like we are going to sit down and, and try to see God and hear from God, it's, it's going to be new. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's really why he left us the Holy Spirit, right? Mm. To continually reveal new truth to us or new understanding of something, and uh, and so yeah, that's that's really exciting. I think the kind of hypocrisy that so enraged Jesus was one that um, gave God the practice when what he wanted was us, our hearts, right? To, to love him, as you said, to love him with all our heart and soul mm-hmm. and mind. And he, yeah, that's what he wants is our hearts, not yeah. our practice. Instead, okay. In fact, in the Old Testament at one point, um, God says, like, I don't want your sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Like, they are yeah. so abhorrent to me. I, I actually want to throw up mm-hmm. because you bring the sacrifice, but your heart is not in it at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not really bringing it as a sacrifice to me. You're just performing an act. And yeah. And God actually really detests that kind of worship. Mm. Right. He wants a worship that comes from our hearts, that's continually being renewed and, um, yeah, with a freshness mm. of understanding. Yeah. 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 Well, um, 
How have you experienced tradition or personal preference um, preached as God's doctrine? Um, maybe we don't actually say this is sin, mm. <laughs> but that's the weight that we give it yeah. in, yeah. Our, in our minds and in our actions. Have you yeah. uh, experienced that's, that? That's a good distinction to make because like, I, I don't actually have that much experience with tradition preached as doctrine, but, but as you say, more like it's treated as doctrine. You might not maybe go so far as to say that it is the doctrines of God, but, mm-hmm. but it's simple things, and, and they're not bad things, but simple things like the meeting's got to be on Sunday or, or um, tithing your 10% or uh, you know, having a 30-minute sermon or <laughs> you know, a, a baby dedication, Sunday school, youth groups, you know, worship bands. It's all things that... Um, are, are great. There's a, they're a great way to, to, to do fellowship together. Um, but they can kind of take on the feeling of being a, a doctrine. Like they are essential to the existence of a church. Yeah. So if you're going to start a new church, you've got to kind of have these things in place. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to go overseas to church plant, you've got to have these things in place. And so right. you might not go so far as to say, this is the doctrines of God. But, but yeah, as you think about what does fellowship look like when we get together, um, these kinds of traditions um, can s- start to become maybe bigger than they are and think, how could we possibly do fellowship if we didn't have these things in place? Right. Um, and I think, you know, going to nations that are hostile to Christianity is a pretty quick cure for for that notion. You see there's lots of yeah. different ways to do it. Yeah. And I think maybe COVID is actually giving us uh, an opportunity as a church to yeah, reevaluate uh, what do we do? What what can be changed, or what can be tweaked, or what can we do away with? And, yeah, that's right. Focusing like, on the vision. Absolutely, we've had to do church so differently right. as we're doing today, uh, and it begins to reveal some of those things that we have held on to. Like, could we possibly do church without Sunday school? Mm. Could we possibly, you know, do church without having, um, you know, a time of worship and then announcements and then offering and you know the way that that we sometimes we have that tradition and as you said it's not necessarily wrong in Mm. of itself but if we feel sudden um if we begin to think that we can't actually do church Mm. to have fellowship with the believers without all of those things in place then perhaps it's time for us to reevaluate and as you said these last few months I know f- even for us as staff, we've, we've been sitting down saying, all right, like we know that the, um, the commandment, the commission of, of Christ is to go and make disciples of all nations who will make mm-hmm. disciples. And I know those are discussions that we've been having saying, um, are what we're doing actually making disciples of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And if that's the last thing that he said to us, it's probably the most important thing <laughs> that he said to us. And so... Um, are there things that we need to change? What are the things that we need to change? What are the mm. things we need to hang on to mm. that will actually help us to do what Jesus called us to do, yeah. to make disciples of Jesus? And so, yeah, these, these last months have not just been uh, in vain. Yeah. Uh, they actually have given us an opportunity to ask some of those questions. Yeah, that's a great conversation for a church to have. Yeah. I encourage yeah. to hear that. So um, how do you think we perhaps sidestep uh, God's commands or nullify his commands in order to hold on to those traditions or those personal preferences or our personal opinions. Mm. Um, what are some ways that we maybe um, do that or yeah, even sidestep the word of God in itself? 
Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's lots of examples that we could look to in terms of the traditions that we engage in, but but there's there's even a deeper level there I think that that just considering that God desires lordship over every bit of us. You know, he, we're seeing that he wants our heart, he wants our emotional desires, our thoughts, our money, he wants our our time when we're at work, he wants our time when we're at home. He wants our our relationships with loved ones, our relationships with enemies. You know, this is all areas that he wants lordship over. And and speaking from experience, these are generally things that that we have the personal preference to be selfish with. (laughs) You know, that's just how, that seems to be how it goes. So sometimes uh, we get anxious or sometimes we hoard our possessions or or fiercely guard our time and our our space. Uh, We're unforgiving with loved ones or, or... we can even step on others in order to get ahead. You know, these kinds of things that are, are really daily phenomenons. Mm-hmm. Um, in these kinds of things that, that happen, we're, we're nullifying God's commands with kind of our personal preference for doing things our way, mm-hmm. our personal preference for looking to ourselves first. Uh, and, and as we said before, God's law is intimate and it's, it's very practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just these little attitudes that we have of wanting to do things our way is our, our little daily ways that actually we nullify the commands of God. Yeah, like Alicia, you were talking before about, you know, some of the things that we do, you know, even religious practices, and yet it nullifies God's command to just love me with all your heart and soul and mind, right? And he actually doesn't talk about our actions necessarily it begins with the heart and soul and mind and then the second commandment he said is to love your neighbor as yourself and all of those tendencies for us to be selfish or hoard or want our way over someone else's actually nullifies God's command to love our neighbor as ourself and we do it all the time don't we like I remember listening to a message by Andy Stanley a while back and he's addressing he has a lot of um you know, people that don't believe in Jesus and don't follow Jesus in his audience as well. And he said, you know, some of you are sitting here and and you think, you know, you Jesus followers, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And he said, let me clear that up for you. We are. Mm. (laughs) And we, you know, as we walk humbly before the Lord, as he calls us to, um, if we're walking humbly before him, we recognize that, that lean towards um, doing things our own way and the, mm. and the hypocrisy and how easily that can creep in mm. to our lives, right? And so, um, yeah, I, we, we definitely do see that. Uh, I think, um, so what are some ways, as we begin to wrap things up here, what are some ways that um, we can recognize hypocrisy in our own lives and, and maybe what are some of the remedies <laughs> for what we see in our lives? Mm. Yeah, I guess I can talk on that. Hey, sure. Um, yeah, I think firstly, you just really have to be honest with yourself and look at what you're doing and seeing, you know, is is what I'm doing lining up with scripture? Is this what God really wants? Um, and like, you need to. We need to decide first of all that we're going to follow the Lord. You know, that we're going to obey. We can't just have Jesus as you know a side thing. We can't just come to church, you know, on Sundays, but, you know, the rest of the week just live as though we didn't know Jesus at all, you know. And um, and that's, you know, that's the first step, right? 
And after that, once you realize that, okay, I have been doing this all wrong, you, you, we need to go to God in desperation. You know, like we can't, we can't just do these things on our own. God has to, to will it first and then do it in us. But we have to be open. So when we're open, you know, like as David says, search my heart, God, you know, know my ways. Sometimes we don't even know our own ways. And I mean, I'm not a, an, an, an what do you call that introspector or (laughs) somebody who's like able to understand you know like my own thoughts and emotions so I'm always like okay God what's going on in here because you know me better than myself and and he'll show you like he'll he's he's showed me many times okay these are the things I want to work on right now and I'm like okay I'll I'll submit to that and he does he does he'll work through it as long as I'm humbly coming to him and asking him for the change um and to do it in me um yeah you know, certainly one real key to us recognizing our own sinfulness and hypocrisy in our lives. That we, he said, you know, I've shown what you, what you are to do. In Micah, he says, you know, mm. to walk humbly with your God. That's one of the things that he directs us. And I think yeah. that's really huge, right? Yeah, yeah. you yeah. bet. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of ways where uh, Alicia and I have, have seen hypocrisy in our own lives. Um, so in our in our second year on the field in Cambodia, there was a time where we thought, you know what, we're our, our lips are so near and our hearts are so far. Um, if this doesn't change, we're we're going home. We're out of here. We're out yeah. of here because we don't, you know, like you said earlier, better to shut the doors of the temple than to to to, to open it and and have these bad sacrifices coming in. Mm-hmm. So and it's kind of our job and and yours as well to to, to honor God with our lips, right? Like we yeah. we teach and we encourage and we pray with people, we share the gospel. So these are all good, great ways of honoring God with our lips. But it just means that we have to be super careful about what's going on in the quiet place, where are our hearts at. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a really wise man who said to me before we went out. He said, uh, "Spend more time talking with Jesus than you do talking about Jesus." Uh, that's good yeah and so the cure for for hypocrisy for us isn't to talk about jesus less to bring our 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 lips down to where our hearts are but but to let our hearts be raised up and and to where you know we want to talk about the goodness of jesus so let's let's enjoy that personally in in the intimate quiet place um, and and bring our hearts up to where our lips naturally want to be (laughs) right i like that yeah we talked in when we met um, you know, a few weeks ago mm. in preparation for this, and we talked about how all of us, like for myself and, and you, this has been kind of a process, a very personal process that each of us have been through mm. in the last years, and um, that examining and being challenged by this truth that, you know, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And for myself, the beginning mm. of COVID, and all of a sudden everything was shut down, and I was working from home, and and um, those first few weeks was an opportunity for God to just really show me how, uh, you know, I had been um, doing all the things that I'm called to do within my role as pastor here at Ebenezer, mm. and how subtly, you know, my heart wasn't there anymore, mm. and I was honoring him with my lips. And so it began just re- with repentance for mm. me. Yeah. And I, he brought me to this place where I just needed to repent that my heart was not where my lips were. Mm. And, you know, he's so gracious to forgive us. Yeah. And uh, first while, I just felt so condemned by that. In fact, you know, there was thoughts going around in my head, like, 
do I, can I stay here, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Same. And yeah. yet, um, you know, as I continued in that place of humility before him, he began to, um, to just lift me up mm. and show me that he knew my heart better than I knew mine, that he had known my heart problem mm. for a lot longer than I had and right. that he still loved me and forgave me. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. That's great. So, yeah, definitely uh, this is a convicting passage mm. in a lot of ways, and we've only just touched the surface of it probably and, and just skimmed the surface of how uh, we can apply this to our lives. But I, I do love, I think that the remedy for it probably is in daily praying the prayer of King David that you mm. touched on. Search me, O God, mm. and know my heart. Mm. Uh, try me and know my thoughts. And reveal to me anything that is not pleasing to you. Mm. And if King David, who uh, a day, uh, God said he is a man after my own heart, if King David needed to pray this prayer on a regular basis, certainly I need to yeah, as absolutely. well. And I think yeah. that um, if we come before him with that humble heart that you talked about, Alicia, and pray this prayer, he is going to show us. And, um, you know, we do recognize it. In some ways, don't mm. we? We we there's this discomfort yeah. and there's this yeah. unease in us yeah. when we know that our lips are are yeah. speaking uh, something that that our hearts are not in tune with. Yeah, you can and it's it. so easy to be distracted by things in this world, mm -hmm. uh, to be distracted by even our own desires and and thoughts. Mm. And so it's something that we have to continually work with, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, thank you for joining me today yeah, for your insight on this passage. And I know even since we began to um, meet and talk about this passage together, God has been using this. Uh, it's, it seems to be on my mind all the time. And yeah. have you found that Mine too? Mine as well, yeah. You yeah. Bet. yeah about and just lot. continually, you know, challenging my own heart mm. uh, about where I'm at mm. in honoring God with my heart yeah. first and so that my lips line up. So yeah. yeah. Very important. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for uh, sharing with us this morning. Yeah. And I just Thanks want to close with a prayer for you and sure. and sure. Uh, Alicia as you go back yeah. to Cambodia. Okay. Cool. Thanks yeah. a lot. So Father, I thank you so much for being with us this morning. I thank you for guiding our time together. And Father, as Matt and Alicia look to going back to um, their village in Cambodia, Father, I pray that you would work out the details of their return uh, with flights and so on. And in the meantime, Father, I pray that you would give them just a time of really renewing their hearts and just body, soul, and spirit in their time uh, here in Canada and uh, with family and just that you would bless that time. And Father, I just pray that um, you would help them as they go back and that they would continue to seek you, uh, seek your word and ask for your Holy Spirit to continually um, refresh their understanding of your word and, and as we also pray that for ourselves but that they would be able to see how, um, how they, they can use your word your word not our practices and our traditions but your word and your truth to minister to um, their uh, neighbors and um, to people who are seeking for meaning uh, in Cambodia so we just entrust them to you and we thank you, Father, for your presence in their lives. We thank you for how you continue to stir their hearts and convict them and also just encourage them. 
We thank you, Father, in your precious name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.